Let us pray. Our most gracious Father, we do thank you that we can gather together through your spirit that you have given us. And though we are not all together here to worship you in one place, yet by your spirit we are all united to one another in Christ, made one body, that we might dwell together, that we might turn our minds to that reality today. Remind us deeply of that connection with one another, that we would lean into that connection, depend upon that connection, and recognize that connection as we worship, to know that our worship is not alone, but that we worship alongside your people because of your Spirit. Guide us and renew us and help us to know you more through Christ our Lord. Amen. Growing up, I didn't know either of my grandfathers. My mom's father died when I was very young, so I don't have any memories of him except for one foggy memory of him walking through his house in the hallway. Why that's my memory of him, I don't know, but I just have that in my mind. Through various happenstances, I didn't get to know my dad's father. But for better or worse, they both left their marks on my parents. My parents were ones who loved their children. They provided for us and looked out for us. They watched over us. They taught my siblings and myself how to live. Through both of them, I've come to know better who our God is, what it means to care for others, what it means to love others, and to put others before oneself. You see, though I didn't know my grandfathers, in some sense, I knew a piece of them through my parents because both of my parents lived out of who their grandfathers were. It means they made mistakes. It means they did things wrong sometimes because they learned the wrong things or they were frustrated with how they were raised and tried to do something differently. But nonetheless, that was a mark left on them by their fathers that I get to see and have gotten to see throughout my life. Though I didn't know them, I know my parents. So I am who I am partially through who my parents are. I'm not an island, but I am part of a greater landmass that depends upon those who taught me. I am because they were. And the same is true for all of us, that we are who we are because of the people around us, because of who our parents are, how they raised us, what they taught us, because of the other people who came into our lives to influence and guide and lead us. None of us are islands. But we're all interconnected, interdependent upon one another, being changed by one another, being taught more and more about life. We are because others were. And so in a similar way, we know who we are because Jesus has given us his spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. The spirit is one who is at work in us, who dwells in us, who has changed us, who has made us into new creations. And that spirit causes us to know Jesus and by knowing Jesus, we come to know who the Father is. Because Jesus is the perfect image of the Father. He is the perfect image of Him who sent Him. He has dwelled with the Father from eternity past. And He came to dwell here on earth in bodily form, incarnate for a short time. And then He returned to His Father and sent His Spirit to be with us. 
So that spirit causes us to know Jesus. That very same spirit that comes from Jesus, that alighted upon him and dwelt in him at his baptism, is now given to us. And that's what Pentecost is about. It's recalling, remembering, bringing forward that moment in the past of the Spirit being poured out on the disciples. And that wasn't the first time the disciples, the apostles especially, received the Spirit. He was filling them up, empowering them fully for the ministry that Jesus intended for them. If you recall, one of the passages we read near the beginning of Easter was about Jesus visiting his disciples and breathing the Spirit onto them that they might have the apostolic authority that was necessary for them to guide the young church on into the future. And so they had already received a foretaste of the Spirit in their lives in that moment. But the fullness of his pouring out didn't come until Pentecost Day, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And the Spirit came in a mighty rushing wind, like a mighty rushing wind, it said in Acts, filling the disciples, all of them, all 120 of them that were gathered in the upper room. Not only were the apostles filled with the Spirit, but the whole church that was gathered there was filled with the Spirit, with tongues of fire appearing above their heads to note and to note that the Spirit had fully indwelt them, had come to be with them. But before we get into talking about what's happening in Acts, just remember, the Spirit is one who works. It's easy for us to get wrapped up as we think about the Holy Spirit and think that He is just a force, a power, an impersonal power, directing our decisions or guiding our actions. But that is far from the truth. Yes, the Spirit empowers us. He gives us power. He directs our decisions. He guides our actions. But He's able to do those things because He is a person. He is God Himself, the third person of the Trinity, whom the Father through the Son has poured into His people, fulfilling prophecies of ancient times, prophecies that came from hundreds of years before of the Spirit coming to be with His people, fulfilling events throughout the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is with us now because we recall that event so long ago. He works in a hidden way so that we don't notice Him. And that's why it's easy for us to think that He's just some power or a mere force working on us. But Scripture tells us and teaches us that He is the third person of the Trinity. So we're going to reflect a little bit on these different passages and walk through some of them. And hear some of the aspects of who the Spirit is and what He does and how He is working. And we will see what He is really attempting to accomplish for us. And so as we consider that the Spirit causes us to know Jesus, which causes us to know the Father, let's remember that the great miracle of Pentecost is twofold. It's that the gospel is proclaimed and that those who hear it respond to that proclamation. And so let's step over to Acts 2 and think about wrapping our minds around this idea. Because oftentimes when we think of Pentecost, we think of that mighty rushing wind. We think of those flames of fire, those tongues of fire. We think of the disciples all speaking in foreign languages that they didn't know, speaking in the native tongues of all the people around them. We think of Pentecost in those terms. But what was the Spirit doing during those times, in that moment? What did the people say? In Acts 2, chapter, verse 7 and 8, it says, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own 
in his own native language. Yes, the disciples began speaking in tongues, and that's a great and glorious moment in the history of the church. But what is it that they were beginning to hear? Down in verse 11, it says, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The whole reason they were speaking in tongues wasn't to impress the crowd. wasn't for the crowd to say, wow, look at how mighty the Holy Spirit is. No, it was so that they could hear about the mighty works of God. God enabled the disciples to speak in other languages that they did not know so they could tell the people about God, to tell the people about what God had accomplished through Jesus. And the people were beginning to respond. They were shocked. They were amazed that they were hearing about the mighty works of God. And that's what the Spirit does. He causes the gospel to be proclaimed, and he causes the people to respond to it. That's what this whole passage in Acts is about, is about the gospel being proclaimed and the people responding. And of course, then Peter gets up and begins speaking to the crowd. Some in the crowd were mocking them, saying, oh, they must be drunk. Doesn't really explain how they were speaking everyone else's languages if they were drunk, but they just assumed they must be drunk. But Peter tells them, no, it's not because we're drunk. It's because this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Our prophet Joel prophesied that this day would come, and that prophecy is that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, God says. The spirit came on the day of Pentecost in order to bring that pouring out in order to come and dwell with the people, to cause them to prophesy, to see visions, to dream dreams. The Spirit was poured out to cause those things to happen, yes, but what is the purpose of those things? And in fact, one aspect of prophecy isn't so much telling the future. It's about speaking the Word of God in the here and now. Oftentimes, the prophets were simply telling the people about their sins and about the call of God to return through confession and repentance back to God. One major aspect of prophecy is that reality that is speaking the word of God to the people of God who are moving away from God. And so the Spirit causes, again, the proclamation of the gospel and the response to the gospel. There's many things happening in this passage, but at the core foundation of it all is that proclamation of the gospel, the response of the people to that gospel proclamation, which we didn't read about today. But if you go, just flip to the last few verses of Acts 2, there beginning at verse 37, the people were cut to the heart and they wanted to know, what do we do then? If all this is true, if the Messiah was Jesus and we put him to death, but he's been raised from the dead, what do we do? What does this mean? And Peter tells them to repent and be baptized, and they'll receive forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. They'll be filled with the same Spirit that these disciples have, who will renew them, who's already at work in them because they're responding. And so the Spirit is causing the proclamation of the gospel amongst the people, to the people, for their good. Because where the Word is proclaimed, there the Spirit is active. That's why... Scripture is so important to us as believers is that the Spirit dwells in these words so that even in our simple service of morning prayer, we read Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. And even if there's not a sermon, it's still a worship service because Scripture has been read in that sense. Scripture has been proclaimed through the reading of the Bible. And if 
the Bible has been read, then the Spirit is there moving around. Even if we don't feel Him moving, He is working through these words into our ears, into our hearts and minds, and changing us. And so from there, we read from 1 Corinthians. In that passage in chapter 12, we hear about the varieties of gifts from the Spirit. And that's where we hear in verse 11 that all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. See, there's a huge list of different kinds of works that can be done in the Spirit. that are done through the Spirit. that are done by the Spirit. Some are about wisdom and knowledge. Some are about faith or healing, miracles, prophesying, the ability to distinguish between spirits, and even to speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. That's not all the works that the Spirit does, but those are many that he was manifesting for the Corinthians. But again, what was the purpose of this? All of this is to make known who Jesus is. It's for the common good. These things were to pull the people together to help them work because not everyone can do everything. This is the famous passage about us being the body of Christ. And Paul will go on to talk about how we can't sit there and say, well, because I'm not such and such part of the body, I'm not going to help the body anymore. Because I'm not a foot, I'm going to cut myself off. Or because I'm not an eye, I'm going to cut myself off. We want to be glorious parts, but not all of us can have the same roles. We all have different roles in the body of Christ for the common good and for the proclamation of the gospel that others might respond to that gospel. These gifts are for the very purpose of building up the church. And part of building up the church is drawing others into that very church, that they will receive the Spirit and be changed by that same Spirit. And so the body grows and becomes healthier as we work together, as we do things for the common good. The Spirit levels everything such that we are one in the Spirit. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. The spirit levels the ground between all peoples as he brings salvation to all peoples. The spirit is at work erasing tensions, erasing divisions. But so often we ignore that erasure and try to cling to our old divisions without realizing it. And we have to stop and confess and repent of the ways that we cause division in the church of the ways that we cause division in our communities around us and look back to the Spirit and cry out, work in me and renew me, Spirit, for the sake of Jesus. Do this, that I might serve him better, that I might make him known, that I might cause others to have opportunities to hear of Jesus and to respond to that work of Jesus. The Spirit gives us these gifts for the building up of the body, for the making known and the proclamation of the gospel that others might respond to it. And in John, we hear all of this brought together, especially if you take time to read John 14, 15, and 16, the great chapters on the Holy Spirit and his work of him being the paraclete, the comforter, the advocate for us. It's one of those moments that the other Gospels don't dig into as much about what the Spirit does. But John takes the time to teach us and to tell us about the words of Jesus, the further words of Jesus on that night just before he was betrayed. That he spent time explaining the Holy Spirit and what he would do and how he connects 
us together. This especially comes forth in verse 15 of chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither knows him nor sees him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, even then, the Spirit was already dwelling with the disciples because they had received the word of Jesus. Like Jesus said over in chapter 13, he is speaking of the fact that they only needed to wash their feet and they would be clean. They had received the word. They had responded to the word in ebbs and flows. They responded a little and then they'd pull back. They'd respond a little more and they'd pull back. But they were moving slowly forward. They were being changed as the Spirit worked in them and drew them nearer to Jesus, opened their minds more and more, little by little, that they could see the reality of what was happening for the Messiah and who the Messiah was. And now Jesus says that the Father will give them the Spirit to be with them forever. And they know Him because He's with them and will be in them. The Spirit comes to dwell with them to open their eyes of the, into the truth, to reveal the truth to them, and to send them forth with that truth for the world. And the same is true for us. The Spirit dwells with us and in us because Jesus promised that He would be with and in the apostles. The Spirit is here amongst us, changing us, renewing us, that we might proclaim the gospel as we have received it. You see, at the core foundation of the work of the Spirit is to change us. We get wrapped up in the idea of all these wonderful things, all these great feelings, all these senses, senses of sentiment about the Spirit. We turn the Spirit into someone who makes us feel good or maybe makes us feel bad or makes us do things or have certain sensations. But that's not what the Spirit is really about. The Spirit's actions are not things that we would say, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing this. The Spirit's actions are ones that make us say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Because His whole goal is to point our eyes at Jesus, to point our eyes to the one who has accomplished salvation for us. And the Spirit applies that salvation to us. The Spirit isn't focused on great and glorious gifts. He's focused on changing our hearts, which is probably the greatest miracle of all that can't be seen. We get wrapped up and think these outward manifestations are the big work of the Spirit. But the true, foundational, greatest work of the Spirit, the greatest work of the Spirit is what He does in each of us, changing us, renewing us, despite what our feelings might say, despite how we might feel that day, despite how we might be thinking the Spirit is at work, renewing us and making us to know Jesus. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week about the Holy Spirit, and one of the um, pastors on it was talking about how he had someone come to him one time and just say, like, I just feel so worn down and just feel like the Spirit isn't with me. I don't feel like the Spirit is working or that I'm coming to know Jesus better. And he asked him, well, what, what kinds of things have you been doing? What's going on in your life? And he's like, well, I mean, I'm going to church every week. I'm taking the family. We have regular devotions, and we're reading Scripture together and praying together. And he listed off all these spiritual disciplines that were in his life. 
And the pastor looked and it's like, quit worrying about it. The Spirit is at work because you have the Word. And now you're following the Spirit. You're pursuing Jesus. He is at work in you even if you don't feel it. So don't worry about the feeling. Focus on following Jesus. And that's glorious advice that as we look to the Word, as we look to prayer, the Spirit is at work in us. We might not feel Him, we might not recognize Him, but He is at work in us to make us to know Jesus, to make us to speak of Jesus, to share Jesus, to tell others about Jesus. And that comes out in our day-to-day -day lives. They see a difference in how the Spirit is acting and working in us as He draws us nearer to Jesus, as He leads us through repentance and confession regularly. And others will see the change that begins happening in us and to us. And so that brings us all back to the day of Pentecost. The reason the Spirit is poured out is so Jesus will be made known to change the hearts of the disciples and those around them, to bring us all back to Jesus and to keep us coming back to Jesus. The Spirit dwells with us to keep us knowing Jesus, not just so we respond once, but that we respond for a lifetime and come to know Jesus more and more every day and to draw near to Him. And through our drawing near, others will be drawn near because the Spirit is at work bringing about a renewal of us constantly. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.